Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. Good evening, activists. Welcome to the River Radio on the Thames and Thames Valley with Politically Correct. My name is Wisdom DeCosta with Mike Bourne and we'll be joining joining us will be a number of guests in the studio. Well, it's the 7th of July and there's nothing really important going on today, is there? I think there might be. And we'll be playing a number of anthems to celebrate this evening's victory and also getting you into the mood. Michael, are you looking forward to this evening's game? Um, well, what's happening? Um, you don't know. Who's this Michael Bourbon, anyway? <laughs> Where's my name? Jason Bourne, remember? Jason, Jason. Yeah. How are you? Yeah. Have you got a line for this evening's game? That didn't game? work. The thing is, with, with, Mr. with James Bond, here we go, Bond, James Bond. Right. He doesn't go Bourne. Jason Bourne, because he'd be laughed out of court, wouldn't it? It just wouldn't work. Yes, of course I am. And as soon as this show's finishing, like everyone else, I'd be hurtling in the direction of a television screen. And uh, not the nearest pub, then? No. Well, you have to book in advance, and I've got oh. a dog, and it's all complicated. Oh, so. OK, OK, yeah. OK. So, listen, I've got a whole bunch of music, um, and some of the latest England songs um, which have been written. What a written, surprise. Written, written specifically, a rap song, which we'll be playing in a little while. Really? Absolutely. You know, most of the English players listen to this rap music. Do they? Yeah. Do they really? How do you know that? Is it reported in the news? Well, it's a good point because they have got their headphones on, so you can't necessarily tell. I have my suspicions they're listening to (laughs) Belinda Carlisle or someone else. Or Billy Joel. Or Billy Joel, yeah. I've got a record by Billy Joel. (laughs) If you remember that. Right, listen, get onto some serious stuff so we can get home and enjoy the game. We've got stories today from the beautifully, beautiful town of Henley. Uh, upon Thames and from another riverside town of Lower Early and Early, where all is not, is that not well. Beautiful? Oh, it is beautiful. I, isn't that beautiful? Is, is my paraphrasing my English gra- grammar not actually well, saying that the Lower was Early? It was not. They're all beautiful to us. And they're all beautiful. <laughs> I'm absolutely sure that Clive Jones will tell us how beautiful Lower Early and Early are, the parishes of them. Anyway, the residents are up in arms. But we're going to start first with the, with the uh, Lower Early. The you know that Lower Early is part of the southern portion of the parish of Early, which has a population of about 32,000. It's about the same size as Windsor. Where is it? It's a, a suburb of Reading, but I'm sure that ah, um, ah. Clive will tell us any second now that don't call it a suburb of Reading. <laughs> Councillor Clive Jones, <laughs> welcome don't to the show. It. Don't call it a suburb of Reading because would... we're actually, we are within Wokingham Borough Council. We're not within Reading. And that's the confusing uh, thing about it all. Yeah, you hit the we headlines. Are, we are right on the edge of the uh, uh, of the boundary. Yep. Well, Clive, welcome. Tell us a bit more about yourself. Thanks. Um, I'm a uh, Liberal Democrat councillor. I'm uh, the leader of Early Town Council. Uh, we took control of the council in 2019, and uh, I was elected to the Borough Council, working on Borough Council in 2016. And I'm the deputy leader of the Lib Dem group on that council, so we are the opposition 
currently on that council. Okay. I really hate that that title, the opposition. It makes it sound as if you're deliberately adversarial. I think we must change that to you are the, the supporters. But we're not. <laughs> exactly. We're not deliberately uh, adversarial. Even mm. though sometimes we do get uh, quite nastily attacked. In fact, we were recently nastily attacked by the... Uh, uh, a conservative group leader who, who said that two town councils within the borough, both of them happened to be Lib Dem led, uh, had not done anything during the pandemic, which was really, really not nice because, right. <laughs> and very, very unfair because we had both councils had been open uh, all of the time and we had kept all of our parks mm. open and all of our play uh, areas, not the playgrounds, but you know, the grass. Well, I tell you what, Clive, let's bring you and this um, other individual or other individuals on the show together and let's, let's have a discussion about conduct. I think we, this is an ongoing issue within our show, looking at how to improve conduct, how to improve collaboration so that we get the best results for, for residents, quite frankly. Are you, are you up for that? Yeah. Perfect, perfect. So today we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about Swallows Meadows. Paint yes. a picture of Swallows Meadows for us and what will be lost. Well, it... It is uh, an area of grassland. It was also an area of uh, uh, some some woodland. Probably about a third of it was woodland until uh, these new owners who recently bought Swallows Meadow from uh, Reading University, uh, when they had been... Uh, when they had owned the land for just a few weeks, they cleared it. They didn't do anything illegal because they were the owners of the land and they cleared lots of trees, um, not particularly substantial trees, but trees that might have been 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years old. And uh, they said that they were tidying it up. Now, I, I've really, read that it's not just trees that you have there, but monkjack, deer, badgers, birds, rabbits. Oh. We used to have all of them living in Swallows Meadow. And uh, there is evidence of a badger set possibly not been used for a couple of years on the right on the very edge of uh, Swallows Meadow. And there is a live badger set not too far away, a few hundred metres away. And even though the land has been completely cleared, we still have badgers roaming around there at it, night. I find it quite horrific that an owner of a land, and we've had it in Eton, and other, it happens all the time with developers, where the owner of a land can take a pristine forest or an area of high you know, ecological value and just raise it to the ground. Oh, it, it is absolutely disgraceful. We were made aware of this on a Tuesday back in uh, October. On Wednesday morning, I went there and uh, saw the... Contractors, they had uh, very heavy equipment just mowing down these pretty substantial trees, destroying them, and uh, said to him, what about all the wildlife that live here? There's loads of birds. There, there are muntjac, and there will be rabbits, there will be mice, there will be everything. And he said, no, we have done an ecology survey, and nothing lives here. Not anymore. It, not, not even a mouse. No, this, this ecology survey had been done a few months before, and he claimed that it proved that nothing lived there. Now, that was just absolute 
rubbish. Not worth the paper that it's written. Let's hold on to that ecology, ecological survey, because I'm going to come back to that in, in later on when we talk about planning consent. So what are the proposals for the, for the, new, for the site? Uh, 43 houses. 43 houses without garage, so no storage space. And a little superstore with 115 car park spaces. Okay, so this is going to be basically concreted out. Yeah. Okay. Now, yeah. Janssen's property actually did say that they've said that um, there will be some benefits, ecological enhancements, as they call it. They're going to plan to, in, to plant 100 trees and features to support wildlife, including artificial bat roosting, bird net boxes, swift bricks, and also would, have, would have feature a woodland-themed play area and landscaped public open space. Is it possible to squeeze all of that into that site? Oh, yeah, you can put a tiny little playground in, can't you? And you can have all the play equipment made of wood and uh, you can plant 100 trees. Or when you've taken out many more than 100, then uh, uh, you can easily put in 100. uh, They're going to have, they would have to do that as screening because they've got uh, at the back of a little store only a few metres away from houses that have been there for 35 years plus. So so they can do all of that, but it would be just far, far better to leave it as it is so that it is part of a green corridor that runs for a couple of miles down the side of the M4. Okay. Now, what about this consultation? I understand that Janssen's property is actually consulted with the public. What was the sort of scope of that consultation, the depth? And do you think it gives any valid um, rationales or um, um, like a mandate to, oh, no. to Janssen Properties? No, not at all. They did a, uh, a consultation back in uh, November when we were locked down. So we couldn't have a public meeting, but uh, people were uh, written to, they, they must have written to, I don't know, probably 10,000 houses and uh, asked if uh, you wanted to join in with this consultation. And you could put questions into the chat box, Mm. but you couldn't actually put them to a person. And, of course, they picked the questions that they wanted. And they had this little team of advisors, and they were all telling each other how wonderful they were and... Uh, yeah, where, where we have done development before, we have been uh, very good. We've looked after the local community and providing a, a uh, supermarket that uh, will create uh, employment and all that sort of stuff. And uh, a lot of people spoke to me and to the other local ward councillors afterwards, emailed us as, as well and said that they were very, very unhappy with the way that the meeting was conducted because they couldn't get to ask questions. They were just put in this uh, uh, chat room and uh, lots of them didn't didn't get forward, forwarded. And uh, it, was, it was very, very biased. And then last week, we get a, another leaflet through the post a very, very biased leaflet again, say, and asking people to contact them and tell them mm. uh, you know, that 
we would like to have houses here, we would like to uh, have a little. And people really are not liking the, uh, uh, the way that Quadro PR are handling this for Jansen's. Now, it sounds to me like they've taken the Heathrow approach, which is not, you know, should we have a third runway? Should we have it at Gatwick? But rather, would you like your third runway north or south of the airport? That sort of approach where the questions are very leading. Now, I'm assuming that this requirement for a consultation is required by planning. And is there no regulation or law in planning which forces people to have a quality of consultation where things are discussed more openly and solutions are actually explored? No, I don't, I don't think there is. Um, what I don't like particularly about this is that uh, an, an awful lot of the uh, comments that are coming through Quadro. Now, that doesn't seem right to me. If somebody wants to make a comment on a planning application, they can go on to the council's website, put in the planning application number, make their comment. Okay. But what's happening here... Sorry, um, Clive, we're going to come back to you in just a second. We're going to shift over... To, to a little bit of music. Clive, listen to this and tell me what you think of it. This is by a group of rap artists called Crapton Conan, and they've been asked to write a song for England, and it's called Ole, We Are England. I am going to get this right. Do you understand? <laughs> that was Candyman. I don't know why we were playing Candyman. This is not available, apparently. So let's go to the next track. I'm not sure why that's not available, guys. But hold on a second. I'm going to... It happens. One of those things happens. Do you think they ought to release Candyman as a football song? <laughs> I think it might be good. Play Candyman and we just pretend it's a football anthem. <laughs> absolutely. That will do it. That will do it. I'm happy with that. Um, Play I, it. No, absolutely not. I'm not doing it. I'm not Go doing on. it. Today... You can see them on the stands going, Candyman! Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm going to play the other official song good luck for there, you. <laughs> what are we going to get now? <laughs> we are the people featuring Martin Garrix, Bono and The Edge. Come on, take it away. It's is that played? Well done. Woo! A million volts in a pool of light, electricity in the room tonight. Born from fire, sparks flying from the sun Hey, I hardly know you, can I confess I feel your heart beating in my chest If you come with me, tonight is gonna be the one Cause you fail and no fear for the fight You pull hope from defeat in the night There's an image of you in my mind Could be mad but you might just be right We are the people we've been waiting for Out of the ruins of hate and war Army of lovers never seen before We 
heart that hurts is the heart that works from a broken place. That's where the victory's won. 'Cause you fail, no fear for the fight. You pull hope from defeat in the night. There's an image of you in my mind. Could be mad, but you might just be right. We are the people we've been waiting for. Out of the ruins, I hate a war. Army of lovers never seen before. We are the people we've been waiting for. We are the people of the open hand. The streets of Dublin to Nazareth. We'll build. we go that was um we are the people featuring bono martin garrix bono and the edge you're listening to river radio the politically correct show on wednesday the 7th of july in the studio we have we have um clive jones by zoom and also dave eggleton joining us from henley who's in the studio and of course jason Bourne is here as well please (laughs) at least i can play the music what was wrong with the Candyman? That's all I can say. Jason Bourne would have let it happen. Well, you got to see that on the on the terraces going, Candyman, Candyman. I hate to say they sing a lot worse than that. Do they? Yes. Right. Okay. They're not politically correct there. No, no, no. Okay. Um, I'm just trying to get through to Clive Jones at the moment. So, Clive, fantastic. So, Clive, great to have you back on again. So, we were talking about um, the planning and the application. So, What's going to happen now with the planning? Is there an application in at the moment for um, Swallows Meadows? Yes, it is. It's an application for a little store, um, 43 houses, and uh, it is likely to come before the planning committee sometime in uh, September, maybe early October. Okay. And is that going to be a live panel or is that going to be, you know, in camera? Uh Hopefully by then it will be live. So all of the hundreds of people who live in early and are objecting to it will be able to turn up at the council offices themselves and, do you and think uh, say and give their opinions to the planning committee. And do you think there are any? What are the sort of valid uh, planning issues associated with this? In your opinion, that uh, it's. The land is currently designated as countryside, so that was it was it was originally forty five years ago when Lower Early was planned. Right. It, it uh, I think then was countryside as well, and uh, uh, 
Okay, and what value does countryside have? I know that, for example, in the Royal Barrow Windsor Maidenhead, which is part of the land there, is Greenbelt land. So Greenbelt has a bit more value in planning terms, although even that can be bypassed with you know special issues sort of order of ESE. Um, so what, what can be done with countryside in Wokingham's plan? Yeah, uh, countryside does not have as much... Uh, uh, protection as Greenbelt, but it, it is uh, pretty close to it. And last July, early town council asked Wokingham Borough Council to designate it as green space, along with a lot of other pieces of green space within early. And uh, if that happens when they develop their next local plan over the next uh, uh, 12 months or so, then that gives the area a lot of protection as well. Of course, they'll have to make sure they've got a supplementary <coughs> planning to, to plan. Sorry, supplementary planning document, which looks very clearly at the issues of biodiversity and net climate change. Uh, I'm sure that they're looking at that now, but perhaps um, that's something else that um, residents can get involved with. So, what now? What do you propose to do? Well, we have uh, encouraged people to uh, write to working in borough council. Uh, through the planning portal and tell them what they think about it, uh, uh, what their views are. We have uh, given them some uh, reasons, some planning reasons for uh, 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 saying no to this. And uh, we are continuing to talk to people. I had somebody ring me this afternoon. Uh, They tried to get me this morning and uh, couldn't, rang back this afternoon, and this lady was really, really angry because she had received this recent letter. Will you be issuing any documents or having any classes explain to people what are the key issues from a planning perspective and how they might respond to them or address them in their um, communications with the council? Yeah, we we have done that. We've put some stuff on... uh, uh, Facebook that gives people ideas. What we haven't wanted to do is to uh, put objections in in a way that we get two or three hundred people all saying the same thing. We want people to put their uh, their own uh, interpretation on it. I, I, I know that some of the comments that are made will then be not valid. But I think that is better than having uh, two or three hundred people all saying the same things. OK. And what's the name of the Facebook group? Uh, that's been on Lower Early Residence Facebook group. Right. OK. So what can stop the proposal now? Do you think that it's possible to that the planning application will be rejected? Uh, I hope it will be. Yes. Be because... There are lots of people who have uh, objected to it. We don't. We don't actually need another supermarket here. We've we've got uh, Tesco. We've got two Marks and Spencers. We've got uh, several Sainsburys. We've got several co-ops. We do not need another uh, supermarket. The okay. forty-three houses. A few of those. About 40% of them are uh, uh, affordable homes, but they're not the one and two bedroom, three bedroom houses that we need. Uh, None of them have garages. And what we would prefer to see is uh, housing 
in on great on brownfield sites rather than on land that has been designated as countryside for a long long time and has been used by residents for over 40 years okay as countryside yeah so let me go back to one of the original things which we were talking about swallows and meadows and it was a piece of land owned by the university of reading and of course the university of reading have some of the um, most renowned um, international specialists with biodiversity it seems rather ironic that they go and sell a piece of land for um, for building do you think they have a responsibility here and can they come back in and help if if the planning application is rejected well Reading University, I don't know how long they've been here, 150 years or something like that. They have been recognised for many, many years as a specialist in agriculture. They got an awful lot of the land um, from uh, farmers around the area. Uh, They probably bought them fairly cheap 100, 150 years ago, probably left some in uh, uh, farmers' wills and that sort of thing. And the Reading University have been selling off land all over the place for for development. So basically, they are not a very good neighbour to have. Ouch! <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think that's a fair comment. They didn't tell us what they were going to do. They didn't tell us that they wanted to sell this piece of land. They could have approached the town council they could have approached the borough council and uh, they could have said you know we see that we have some value in this land are you interested and neither of those councils would have considered paying for uh paying the the huge amount of money that they're probably going to get from this developer but if they had been a good neighbour had they been interested in the local people then we might have been able to come to an agreement where we could have looked after that land for uh, a long long time what what might happen here and there is a possibility of this what appears to have happened is the developer has an option to develop this land and now has to put forward the proposal and uh, they have to put forward a meaningful proposal, uh, which is what they have done in in their terms. And uh, uh, if that gets turned down, and then it gets turned down at appeal, the developer could say, "Right, okay, Reading University, take the land back from us." Okay. Um. Councillor Clive Jones, thank you very much for joining us. Tell us how we can get in touch with you, how residents can get in touch with you, and how they can get involved to help you. Yeah, if if they want to do that, my email address is clive.jones at wokingham.gov.uk. They can contact me directly uh, that way, or they can uh, write to Wokingham Borough Council Planning Department, go on to the council's website, and look up planning application 211686 and make some comments. Thank you, Clive. Now, we're going to have one of my favourite England songs now. It's called The World in Motion by New Order. At least, I'm really hoping it will be The World in Motion by New Order. Oh, yes. (laughs) Enjoy, people. 
There we go. That was a bit of New Order. And did you recognise John Barnes? Uh, I do now. You yeah. do? I do. Of course you didn't I get rap. I remember watching, playing him. I remember him playing. Yeah. He, was, he was a decent footballer. He was a rubbish rapper. He was useless at rap. <laughs> Come let's, let's on. Be, let's be Express honest. He wasn't yourself. a musician. No, no, no. no, one no, no. on one. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Are you not having it? <laughs> no. He was a football player. I thought he was pretty decent as a Listen, how about Diamond Light by Glenn Hoddle and Chris Waddle? You tell me that was better. No, I'm not telling you any Elon were better. The best one is the Three Lions one. But anyway, let's move on. And we might have that later on to close the show. So I'm just going to introduce um, Councillor Dave Eggleton. Dave, welcome to the show. Hello. Right, so before we introduce you on your subject, that, that's quite a frustrating thing that's going on. You know, it's not just in Lower Early. It's all around the, the um, Thames Valley, isn't it? Where um, bits of property are being sold off and developers are shoehorning um, buildings in there, building on Greenfield side, tearing it up, yeah, it, introducing tons and tons of carbon into the atmosphere, and then reducing the ability of the environment to support biodiversity or to suck up the carbon. I can I can understand his frustration with um, there's loads of um, buildings and, um, and and trying to put it's with the neighbourhood plan, um, and they're trying to put as many buildings in as possible on different areas, but. Um, you know, it's, people got to live somewhere, but uh, there's only small towns, small villages. There's only so much you can put into an infrastructure mm. because, you know, with all this, the, all this new builds, um, you've still got the the same pipe work that they've had for centuries, and um, and with new builds, they you get a seal money which is put to one side, which is supposed to be for schools, um, yeah youth uh, facilities and um, road constructions but you if you if you if it's a small village or a small town then you're not going to be able to make those roads any wider anyway mm. and a, it, i mean it raises an interesting pro, sort of question in terms of uh where you have new housing because we have a growing population and if we have a growing population we need more housing for that population and if you stipulate you can't live here but you can live here that's fine but I mean, I get your comment, and, and the infrastructure needs to be improved to support it. Uh, but you do, there are more people, so we do need to think about that. 
I'm not I, just being contentious for the sake of it. It was it just uh, it was I watched a Prince an interview with Prince Philip before he passed away, and he was making comment about the rising population and, and the challenges that brings us. Mm. It, it, there is um, we do need more houses, um, and then we keep getting asked as councillors um, affordable housing. I remember when I and I you worked on a uh, on a building site many years ago. That um, and they were going for sixteen thousand pounds then, um, but today sixteen thousand pounds for this size house that we were putting up was um, was one of the houses as class as affordable. But I couldn't afford it as a as a labourer on a building site. So, what is affordable is um, and uh, very often or not they um, they don't always put the one two bedroom places in. So, you know. You know, buy to let and all these um, reasonable. I mean, affordable housing is something that is on a, a people on low incomes. They got no chance of um, no, no, no a property ladder. No, no chance. And then with the obviously the sale of um, uh, the being sold all the council houses originally, um, they they should probably put more more affordable council properties in so there is a lot more rentable properties the, the use of the word the term affordable housing is a bit of a misnomer because when is. you're saying it's 20 percent of a reduction that's the definition of affordable housing it's a 20 percent discount on the market value well who can afford the well, market quite, value at quite. this moment in time so it's not really affordable at all and then you've got the other issue if you're selling off as a once-off that discount of 20 percent is gone it's in the book in the in the bank book of the person who's bought the property and ready to sell it on the new person he sells it to they're not going to get a 20 percent discount it, it almost yeah. raises the point of selling council houses in the first place which started margaret thatcher that that perhaps it was misguided because affordable housing is council housing because that's the well, that's where low-income people can afford to find somewhere to live and feel safe and secure yeah more council in, housing. in, in defense of the, the Iron Lady. I never thought I'd ever say this in defence of the Iron Lady. I think the market was quite different back in the early 80s where, you know, when you looked at the ratio to afforded you know, salaries compared to the value of the houses, it was achievable. But in the last 30, 40 years, we've seen a com- an influx of capital from around the world into London, into the UK, which has distorted the house prices and has made them now unaffordable. So it probably made sense then, but it doesn't make sense now. No. So I'll be saying then we've come to a conclusion that uh, the right to buy should be should be knocked on the head and we should have All council housing, more, more rental, social more. housing again. Carried more, more, carried more, more council, more <laughs> yeah. council houses. Assorted. And unfortunately, when they do these new builds, there's only a small percentage goes over to a housing association, um, and what we need is more a percentage going over to a housing association. Yep. Yep. There we go. So um, we've sort of understood the point that um that mr jones was council jones was making uh, would you support the petition who are you looking who are you working at? i'm looking at you as jason Bourne. uh <laughs> i don't know you have to deepen the voice i don't know jason <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna start singing the candy man, <laughs> candy man. let's move on to another subject let's i've got the perfect subject we have councillor eggleton here dave eggleton Dave, welcome to the studio. Now, you're a councillor in Henley Town Council, is that right? Yes. And are you still independent or do you represent a particular group? Well, when I joined the council um, about six years ago, I was um, the, the leading party, which is today uh, HRG, Henley Residence Group. Um, through um, a little while ago, that I um, 
stepped down from that um, group because uh, through, through some disagreement because of um, didn't seem to think that I was being listened okay listened to on that thing so I've now um, become independent and I feel a lot more easier and comfortable in moving forward great now whereabouts to Henley are you based I'm based in Henley um, uh, Henley on Thames that's where I live in Henley on Thames and, um, and what's the ward you represent it's I think I'm on the south ward there's two two wards um, I think I'm on the south side uh, now, Henley's described as an ancient riverside town, first noted um, in 1179, so quite a long time ago. It seems very upmarket. It's actually the second most expensive town in the UK, market town in the UK, after Beaconsfield. And obviously famous for the sort of upmarket events such as the Henley Festival and the Henley Regatta. How would you describe Henley, where you live? Well, Henley, uh, Henley's... Um, it's it's a nice town. It's we every time I speak to um, people there, and you say that you're from Henley on Thames, and they say, "Oh, you must be very wealthy." Then, mm. um, now it's not true because Henley on Thames is uh, mixed. It's uh, council estates and and you know private houses, and you know, but um, it's a, so it's a mix. It's not. Not everybody's wealthy in okay. Henley, um, but right. um, it is a nice town, um, a beautiful, beautiful town. It's got loads of history, mm. and we get quite a few visitors. I think we um, most of the people that that come and visit Henley is do the Midsummer Murders tour. Ah, okay, which is um, a, a big thing. But um, I tried to promote the history of Henley during the Civil War, so I. I, I have off. seen a photograph of you dressed in. Um, yeah. In, was that the 17th century garb? Was it dressed garb? inappropriately? <laughs> <laughs> uh, seven, that, yeah, that's 17, you, Jason. <laughs> 17th century um, um, cavalier outfit, which I uh, dress up on and um, get, take out tours and talk about the history of Henley. Okay. So you first came to my attention with the Bingate story and the fact that you walked out of council, stormed out of council, I think was the Henley Standards um, um, headline. Tell us about that story. And, you know, how did Bingate start and what was proposed at the time? Um, well, there's, there's, uh, there's quite a few issues, but this is, seems to be one of the main things to do with rubbish. And um, I've been involved in rubbish for the last 49 years. Um, clearing and disposing of waste, and um, you know one of these um, these issues was they were talking about replacing bins, and um, these are beautiful cast iron cast bins. iron bins. So I can imagine twenty years ago when they were first debating what type of bins to have in Henley, um, they come up because they they've got a logo on them, the Henley crest, um, and they probably said, well, let's get cast iron. Cast iron lasts forever, so. I could see the discussion. So when they were talking about replacing them because they're rusty or they're this or they're that and the paint's peeling off. But um, that's not the only thing. You've got the lampposts as well with the, the same issues. But they're going to replace all the lampposts, pull all them up and replace them with new ones? Um, probably not. They're going to paint them. It's um, So that is what created... Uh, I was, you know, when they said that to replace them was going to cost £20,000 or a little bit more. With solar bins? Um, with, um, and yeah, well, I think that is still going in, um, these solar bins, but um, uh, that was one of the things I didn't win on. But I did win on the, um, on the uh, having the other bins restore, um, 
repainted and relocated. So why did you... I mean, this argument at the time was that Henley was a beautiful town, tourist town, needed high quality, high value, high, you know, high visibility uh, street furniture, for want of a better expression. What, why did they turn back and say, OK, let's stick with the cast iron crested monogrammed bins? Well, I think that's part of the heritage. And, um, you know, you, it probably wouldn't have been that sort of thing in that, in that day. With, but uh, the heritage, and because Henley stands out, and it's like you've said, with Regatta and all the Rewind, and, um, and it's a historic town, and it's uh, visitors from all over the world come there, especially Regatta time. And people, I've heard so many different stories where people have come, come to Henley just to pop in or driving through and end up living there. So, it, And I've heard so many different stories about that where they've fallen in love with Henley. Um, and the beans were a part of that. I, I think with um, it is an image with um, going back in and making something, bringing because if you've got something which has got a bit of heritage and and heritage buildings, then you've got to have something in keeping with that. And I think okay. these bins and the the colour green fits in with the environment and um, all all the planters um, and and park services do all that sort of side of it. And I'm also involved in Henley okay. Bloom where we make the town up try to uplift the town so it's with all this the with the green furniture not just the bins everything okay. is what's planted so out and floral le, is le, all green let me ask you was the decision made to change that was that decision changed before or after you walked out of the stormed out of the meeting well it i didn't in, I go into in uh, i went in for a debate um to have a debate on these bins even though that i put my opinion over quite a few times prior to this um, but they'd already made their minds up that um, they wanted to replace these bins. Um, so I, I researched, uh, spent lots of hours in researching um, different contractors and um, and getting advice from different people, and they said they can be refurnished. So they ended up being... Um, I, well, that's the reason I walked out, because they'd uh, turned and, um, and not listened to me and wanted to spend £20,000 on something which is now going to cost about six or seven thousand pounds, so, so there's a lot, lot of a lot of difference in yeah. in money. And I'm I'm for the people. I was elected a custodian of Henley to support the people's views, and um, I, don't, I don't believe in wasting money on something that doesn't need doing. So take me through a story then. So you're very passionate about the issue. You're speaking passionately. They're they're not listening to you. The decision is passed, I presume. Yeah. And then reversed after you've given them more information. How did they reverse the decision then? I thought if it's passed, it's passed. I think um, some of them had actually realised that um, it is better go, going down that route because they were just going to scrap all these bins, um, which would have been a total waste of money. Um, so, But there were still a few councillors that weren't in favour of um, having these... Um, they wanted new bins because they said these weren't fit for purpose. Well, they've been fit for purpose for the last 20 years. And I tried to explain that um, uh, because the bins are all overflowing, they said they needed bigger bins and everything else. It's, I've asked, you know, there's just so many logical things to do before these things. And it goes on a bit like this planning thing as well. But it just goes on. If you don't do the research in the first place um, and just make decisions based on no research then things you're, you're wasting money now the research i'd done on it was that you should at least a year six months 
of finding out which bins are full, which bins are half full, and then then you can either say, well, these ones need emptying on a regular basis, or these ones, um, or you need a bigger bin here, or you know, there's there's so many different aspects of it, and because we're in right in the middle of a pandemic as well, I said, let's just wait, don't make any decisions now, let's wait until the, after this pandemic and people stop doing these takeaway things and see if the reduction of waste. Okay. Disappears. What, what was the public perception of that? How did they respond to your um, opposition to this proposal? Um, a lot of the, I had quite a few people uh, text me and call me and uh, supported me. Um, you know, there's, you know, they they understood that where I was coming from, and and saving, you know, saving the taxpayers' money because. You know, if there's a little bit here and a little bit there, it soon it soon soon mounts up. But um, a, a lot of the public were in support of, um, and, so, and they've told me. So when it, when it all became public, I mean, you, the way you've explained it, £20,000, £6,000, blindingly obvious. Mm. At a time when we're trying to save money and not waste money, it makes enormous sense. Refurbish what you've got and then do some assessments, but you still save money. And if it delays the process, it, it makes sense. Presumably this, the... There was a sort of a outswelling of, of of support from the public. Do you think that also influenced the council to reverse the decision? Um, he, pro- he probably did, but um, I wasn't ga- um, given any evidence that that they, they probably there was probably a few people did write into the council, and that could have been why they um, turned turned around the other way. Okay, but uh, it was just the, the logic says at the end of it is if they're cast iron and they're not broken. Quite. And they just need a, a coat of paint. Then not, that's the obviously obvious route to go down. You know, don't. If they would have been maintained, but that was one of the arguments. If they'd have been maintained over the twenty years that they've been in, um, they wouldn't have been in the state they were in in the first place. Um, it just everything is everything that I get involved in. It's not about turning up. Uh, or coming up with an idea or working with the public to create something it's about the long-term maintenance side of it because everybody wants to turn up quite a few people on different organizations turn up for a photo and say well we've planted a tree or we've done this yeah but it's the long term it's go back to that tree that you planted 15 20 years ago and seeing if it's been well maintained or if it's dead you know because we don't I'm always uh, persevere. Whatever I do, I'd always make sure that um, there's a long-term maintenance plan because whatever you do, it's always a maintenance plan. It's not just a a photo opportunity to say, look what I've done. Yeah, because you're custodians, uh, not not people there to, to rip it apart and state it again. Long after we've all gone, it's going to be there and the legacy is what you've left it for people to do that. And, I, and uh, you see that across the world where you have more stable... And often, where you don't have democracy, you have you have long-term plans that are put in place because it's to their advantage to do it. Mm. It saves money in the long run as well. Okay. So let's bring the story up to date. So what's the latest story in terms of the commercial collections? Well, it was an, it was an idea that, um, uh, funny enough, a conservative uh, are working on the same ideas as, as mine, being in waste. And um, having a chance to speak to, I've spoke to a few shop owners in in and around the town, and it's I've worked with different organisations like Reading Borough Council. I've worked, I've done um, jobs for those where they've got the um, 
the waste collection under control because they put their waste on the street at a set time and Renovara Council come along and pick it up at a set time. And they're not allowed to leave anything on the, on the street. So at a certain time in the day, their Reading streets are all clear. Um, and I'd like to see that in Henley and um, because we've, we've been talking about waste for the last four or five years um, and, and we've had few issues in certain areas. And um, it's not the shop people, it's having something to work to, to work towards um, because every time someone opens up another shop, they have to contact a retailer. Uh, a waste carrier to to pick up their waste and there's i think at the moment there's probably about seven or eight waste carriers that come into henley and pick up at different times of the day now what we'd like to see is someone to come in and collect all the waste at one whether it's one waste carrier or whether it's two waste carriers that two vehicles that come into the town either in the morning or evening um and pick the waste up so the waste goes out half nine or ten and it's picked up half an hour later so it's out and gone off the streets not with these different providers um that sometimes they put it out sometimes they pick it up sometimes it's left there for two or three days and because it's a tourist town we always get loads of flack on the council um there's waste down there there's waste down there um so you weren't happy with the proposal to create bin compounds um, I I wasn't happy with um, just doing bin compounds, certain areas, because they've just done a new build. So, so let me just explain that. Yeah. So the idea would be that rather than leaving your waste in sacks out on the street, you create bin compounds where everybody take all the contra- all the traders take their waste and pile all the bins in a certain area, or they put the, their, their waste into a set of bins located in a specific area. So mm. what was wrong with that proposal? The... Um the proposal for putting these these uh, bin stores in, but I wasn't too keen on the bin stores because with people today, uh, people don't tend to walk too far. They'd like to just come out, um, and, and if they've got managers in the shop, they can't walk too far because they're probably the only one in at that time. So it, well, I wasn't too keen on that idea, but even though... That there's certain areas that it could work in the future, not necessarily now, but could work in the future, where you've got... Because you've just had two new builds, and what they've done is they put two bin stores, one for private and one for business. And so it's not... You can't see it. You don't even know it says just a it's just a wooden building. It's rat free. It's clean. It's tidy. Um, so in certain areas, that would work. But what my aim was is to try to get all shop owners to um, use one or two providers, probably not now, but in the future, um, you know, because some of these people are tied into two-year, three-year contracts. Mm. So, but put their waste out on the street and um, and it picked up, you know, if it's in the morning and it's all gone. So you know. what provoked you to tell them to stick it and call calling the councillor, I'm sorry if I pronounced your name incorrectly here, Goreziak, hypocritical yeah. what was the issue there uh, because you're clearly getting very again passionate about the issue yeah well it was um there was a couple of things the reason um behind that because i seconded the proposal and i didn't get a chance to speak to it and i wasn't allowed to speak to it and i think it's uh democracy and debating um stuff if we can go in and sit down around the table whichever party you you belong to and discuss something everybody um 
what comes out with result. We don't we we sit around a table and we all debate things, and some things we agree with, some things we don't. Mm. But it's um, there wasn't any. They were picking out and pulling parts out of this proposal and everything else. Okay. So they'd already made the decisions before. So, but the reason I said hypocritical because um, the, he's been dealing with waste before, and um, and uh, some of the things he said wasn't you know wasn't completely you know the way it should have been. Um, so okay. that's why you know said that he was hypocritical. So it sounds as if the reason you were. Uh, you made those comments was that here you are an elected representative representing as a custodian resident making a point and it's your entitlement to speak as a pr- seconder of emotion yet you were prevented from speaking well that gets f- uh, frustrating because um uh i i've got uh, i don't know whether this is the right time but i've got adhd i don't learn i don't read and write very well um so sometimes things become frustrating and sometimes if you don't get a chance to speak, I do all these little notes and bullet points to myself and everything else. But sometimes um, with people with learning disabilities, and I think anybody can achieve whatever they want to achieve. I mean, there's no such thing as um, because you haven't, because you've got a learning disability, you can't do anything. I never even dreamed that I'd, uh, that I'd ever be a, a town councillor and deputy mayor for two years. Um, so, you know, things are are possible. Um, but with all those disabilities, it becomes frustrating with certain things because I see things clear. Um, if if people contact me, which I do, on a, people contact me on a regular basis about, can I sort this out? Can I deal with this? Can I do that? Listen, I absolutely applaud you. It sounds as if we're not doing enough in councils to allow anybody and everybody, whatever their levels of ability, if they've got a passion to help the town, it sounds like we're not allowing them to take a role as a councillor. Is that does that sound fair? Or does do you know? Do you know what I I actually think? Because uh, we've spoken at length here about a variety of issues today, and we've been focusing on the issues with waste, but we covered a separate thing here, which is which is you know your sense of your achievement in terms of what you've managed to do but also that has, there's been barriers in the way personally i think it'd be useful for you if you can to come back in again and not to talk about waste but, but talk about your journey to become a councillor to become deputy mayor and mm-hmm. how other people perhaps with similar challenges can use you as a champion to be able to achieve yeah. something like that yeah if you're yeah. willing to come back in yes i would that would so, be fantastic. I mean, to me, just speaking as a council for a number of years, it does. there are um, hurdles to people standing and we have to remove those hurdles so that anybody can stand. We do. I just think everybody, we should all get on together. Absolutely. We should all work together. Because Great. working together, we can achieve anything. Absolutely. Councillor Ableton, how can people contact you? Um, you can go straight through to Henley Town Council and my email address is on there. Or I've put a thing up on Facebook. I think it's um, I co- copied that link yep. and put me up on the uh, okay. Facebook page, so you can have a contact through there. Well, thank you oh. for for joining us. I, there was a story behind the story, which, which we've got to at the end, which was to do with people's abilities and making council open to all people. Thank you very much for sharing your story. Thank you for thank having you. me. There we go, Mike. We're nearly at the end of the show already. 
It's that time for that song. It is the time for that song. Are yeah. you ready for it? I'm ready for it. And then, a, and then a sharp dash. A sharp dash to the... No, let's not go there. All right. So for all of you guys who are getting ready for the England game and are ready to down a few pints of something or the other, here is Skinner and Badil with three lines. Take care. and Mike Borton with guests on River Radio on the Politically Correct show on Wednesday the 7th of July. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week where we'll be talking about the Section 114 at Slough and will it have repercussions for the rest of the Thames Valley? And I'll leave you with a final question. If you don't, who will? Across the Thames Valley. One more time. Across the Thames Valley. This, this is River Radio. Well, now for some pop music. Try this. The dancing.